In today's episode, I'm taking you all the way to North Carolina to share a nervous system story of a sensitive soul who's incredibly misunderstood by society. Janelle Evans is someone who TV and social media has portrayed as a fight state villain, even though there is so much more to her story. Today, we're going to explore the complexities of fight state, challenging stereotypes and offering a fresh perspective on Janelle's story. Get ready to embark with me on the sensory investigation, one that might just rewrite your perception of what fight state truly means. Hello and welcome to Sensory Investigations, where we take a deep dive into celebrities' nervous system stories. My hope is that by understanding others and their own unique nervous systems, we can gain valuable insights into ourselves and our own sensory trauma and our own nervous systems. You see, as a fellow neurodivergent occupational therapist and sensory trauma specialist, I see every day, time and time again, how neurodivergence and sensitive souls are so misunderstood by society. So I really want to help bridge that gap. And before we jump in, I invite you to listen to this with an open heart and non-judgmentally, and I'll give you a really good reason why. We really don't realize something that happens whenever we are judging others, whenever our inner critic is making its a list of critiques in our head, and a lot of times this is all happening subconsciously, that soft whisper and voice in our head making judgments about others. And let's be real, a lot of times this happens way more frequently than we'd like to admit. But have you ever really thought, like, why do we do this? In one sense, sure, it can help us feel better in the moment to think that we are better than somebody else, even if it's the smallest and most trivial little judgment. And we'll do this over and over and over again. We gossip or silently judge those around us. And what it is, it's our nervous system craving that little self-esteem boost. We don't realize that when we are constantly critiquing others and judging others, what is also happening at the same time is we are strengthening that same self-critiquing and self-demeaning muscles for ourselves. It feeds the idea that we should always be extra critical of everyone and everything, ourselves included. It's secretly hurting our self-esteem and even our relationships with others. Judging somebody may feel good in the moment and give you kind of a quick self-esteem buzz, but when we judge others, just remember the truth is it's it's very short-lasting and it actually ends up causing way more harm than good and is actually hurting our self-esteem, even though in that moment it may feel good, which is actually part of the reason I created this podcast. So we can strengthen our empathy muscles for others, which likewise builds our empathy muscles for ourselves, strengthening our mind, our nervous system, and our self-esteem. If you know me from my Sensory Therapist Instagram account, then you likely already know that I am a massive magnesium fan. As a health junkie who's tried so many supplements, I gotta tell you about my obsession, Mellow Magnesium by Ned. The reason I am so obsessed is because as an adhd research shows that it is extremely common for us and anyone with an extra sensitive nervous system to have nutrient deficiencies. And a big reason is because a lot of us spend more time in a dysregulated nervous system state. And when we're in this fight or flight state, what ends up happening is it actually disrupts our digestion, which consequently makes it more difficult for us to properly absorb nutrients. Studies actually say that 90% of us ADHDers are magnesium deficient, triggering symptoms like restlessness, poor focus, irritability, 
irritability, mood swings, sleep problems, sound familiar. So when I started taking magnesium, this was a massive game changer for me and something that has been a staple in my supplement regimen for eight years now, which as you can imagine, I have tried lots of different magnesium supplements over the years and Mellow Magnesium is by far my favorite. Mellow combines three different magnesiums, my number one all-time favorite magnesium glycinate. Then you have your gut-loving magnesium citrate. You have a GABA for happy vibes. You got your trace minerals all in one tasty drink. Plus, it saves me money, so I'm not having to buy a million different supplements. Ready to join the Mellow fam? You can use my code SENSORYTHERAPIST for 15% off and experience the magnesium magic for yourself. Trust me, your mood and nervous system will thank you. So the very first person whose nervous system story we're going to investigate is someone that I've been seeing popping up all over e-news, my TikTok feed, my Instagram feed time and time again. And if you were like me and on Teen Mom TikTok or follow e-news, you likely have seen the enormous amount of hate that she's been receiving on social media, like some of the worst I have ever witnessed. And while the internet may be saturated with negativity towards her, I for one hold immense empathy for Janelle Evans. I see so much of myself and countless others in her nervous system journey, in her sensory story. And I believe that today we have the opportunity to shift the narrative, moving beyond the headlines and into a deeper understanding of her life through the lens of sensory experiences. Something that I'm known for is the conversation surrounding is it sensory or is it trauma? and how trauma can change our nervous system on a physical level, on a cellular level, creating a lot of dysregulation, a lot of PTSD-like symptoms and ADHD-like symptoms. And Janelle's story is one that definitely seems to attest to the argument supporting that trauma can lead to someone developing an extrasensitive nervous system and how this can ignite a cycle of generational trauma-based extrasensitive nervous systems, something that I know I personally can relate to and so many of us out there. Janelle is someone that I actually grew up with in the sense that I started watching her on TV when I was a young teen and when she was also around the same age starring on 16 and Pregnant and then also Teen Mom. And so Janelle's sensory story begins when she was born to Robert Evans and Barbara Evans in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, I was not able to confirm whether or not she's an Office fan like me. However, I do know that she did shortly move to Oaks Island, North Carolina as a child and that's where she spent majority of her childhood. So Janelle is someone that I know I saw a lot of similarities in her, not just because astrologically we're very similar with our birthdays only being a couple days apart, hers being December 19th and mine being December 21st, making us both Sagittarius's with sprinkles of Capricorns with us being on the cusp, but I also saw a lot of similarities in our sensory sensitivities in our nervous system. And before we get started, it's important to know that our relationships, particularly particularly during our formative years, play a crucial role in shaping our nervous system and sensory experiences. While this aspect often gets overlooked, it holds immense significance. So let's take a closer look at Janelle's early relationships, the cornerstones that laid the foundation for her nervous system development. And relationships are something that people tend to forget about or not really focus on when it comes to our senses and our nervous system, even though they play a huge role. And so sensory rule number one is that 
our nervous system's number one job is to keep us safe. And relationships, whether or not they add to our safety or take from our feeling of safety, can have an extremely big physical impact on our senses and consequently our nervous system. So we're going to take a closer look to see what Janelle's major childhood relationships looked like and what some of the physical sensory implications could have been. The first founding relationship in Janelle's childhood we're going to talk about is her dad, Robert Evans. And from what I've read, Janelle seemed like a total daddy's girl, like she really admired her dad during her childhood. Janelle's mom and dad were married for 12 years total before ultimately divorcing. And when researching about Robert, pretty much every source reported two things. The first included allegations of Janelle's dad being very violent and abusive towards her mother, Barbara. And the second being that he left without ever seeing his kids again when Janelle was around four years old, which if you don't know already, developmentally, those first seven years of our lives are extremely important when it comes to our mental health, our nervous system health, and our attachment styles. So during Barbara and Robert's divorce, Janelle's dad was accused of domestic violence and also long-term impairment resulting from drug, alcohol, or other substance abuse that would end up interfering with his ability to perform parenting duties. So this was the first relationship that appears to have greatly influenced Janelle's future relationships, her trust wound, and her fight state trauma response, something that we're going to talk about a lot in a lot more detail after we get through her four major founding relationships. So next up, we have Janelle's older siblings. So Janelle is the baby of all of her siblings. So we're going to start with her sister, Ashley, who's the oldest and who is four years older than Janelle. And so a little bit about Ashley. She's reportedly graduated with a bachelor's in political science and English. Whenever you Google Ashley Evans and Janelle Evans, it does not take long to see the many articles over the years going back and forth of Janelle and Ashley attacking each other and bashing each other. So their relationship seems to have been very rocky, to say the least. And some sources shared that Janelle described Ashley as having been a ball of stress starting from a very young age. And there are also sources sharing that she also may have trichotillomania, Stockholm Syndrome, and abuse-related PTSD. And for those of you who are not familiar with those, I'm going to do a brief summary for you. So the first one, trichotillomania, is a condition where somebody repetitively in a self-soothing way pulls out their hair. And this is actually considered to be a mental health condition and can be found in the DSM under the obsessive compulsive section. And another interesting thing about this is 79% of people with trichotillomania had one or more mental health comorbidities, the most common being OCD, anxiety, PTSD, and ADHD. So definitely related to having that extra sensitive nervous system. And it usually begins in childhood, adolescence, during specific periods of stress or tension. And there is also a lot of research that is pointing to its correlation with childhood trauma. And to me, this sounds 100% sensory related, similar to stims like skin picking, pinching, nail biting, cracking our knuckles, chewing, or other particularly deep pressure-based stims when it's our nervous system just craving that deep pressure, that proprioceptive input to help regulate, to help us calm and soothe, in which when you look at the amount of people that have deep pressure-based stims, like I would love to see a research study being done on that because I feel like it is going to end up in like 95% plus. And what I mean by that is an impulsive or repetitive behavior that involves deep pressure. And so I bet the percentage of neurodivergence with those deep pressure stims is extremely high. And if you're like me, you also have a deep pressure based stim that you 
also do personally. Um, so if you're not super familiar with stimming, one of the main consensus about stimming and stims is that we usually stim more, not totally limited to, but we tend to stim more during periods of stress or during moments of stress. And we do this as a self-soothing measure. So the next condition I want to briefly talk about is Stockholm Syndrome. And it's another interesting one to consider and to kind of get a better picture of just the Evans nervous system story as a family. So it is typically only diagnosed in extreme situations, although the idea behind it can really apply to a lot more people than we realize. I'm going to break it down for you. So Google's definition of Stockholm Syndrome is the psychological condition of a victim who has positive feelings and empathizes with their kidnapper, their captor, or abuser. So my definition is think about someone who's stuck in a bad situation. Let's say abusive relationship or parents. It could even be a mean boss, a controlling partner, or even like a terrible roommate and or a terrible friend. And despite all the bad stuff, maybe they do something nice for you here or there then you somehow start feeling weirdly good towards them. That's kind of what Stockholm Syndrome is, when your brain makes friends with the bad guy. And why does our brain and nervous system do this? Well, remember that our nervous system's number one job is is to keep us safe and it wants us to help us feel safe. So in this sense, it's a messed up way of regulating itself and making sense of bad situations again just to help us feel safe. Even if it's totally messed up, which I think many of us have had bad relationships, friendships, or something in our life where we may have excused a lot of bad behavior. And also maybe another point to remember when we get further into Janelle's story. So during my research, it appears that Janelle and Ashley do not currently have a close relationship or trusting relationship to say the least even though there does appear that there is a period of time when their children both live together in sole custody of their mom Barbara after what appears Ashley also experienced a violent and abusive relationship so the next person the next founding relationship that I want to talk about is Chanel's older brother Colin who being only two years older than her seems to have been very close growing up and I'm not sure exactly at what age but there are reports that he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and PTSD, which is another condition on the extra sensitive nervous system spectrum, and seems to have been on and off again living with Barbara, as we saw on Teen Mom 2, he got featured a couple times on there, and also spending some time where he received specialized care. And so I'm not sure how often Janelle and Colin are able to see each other. Um, Janelle has shared before that she doesn't have a relationship with her brother or sister, but signs point to another person in Janelle's life who is supposed to be family and be there but that has also distance there's also distance between them and there's appears to be that lack of trust in their relationship and so I can only imagine the separation could have not been easy and may feel like another relationship where trust was broken deepening Janelle's trust wound the idea that she can trust those close to her it's something that we don't often consider when there has been this lack of trust in our founding relationships and we take a really close look at how this impacts our nervous system regulation on more of that physical level those physical symptoms and the limiting belief that we cannot trust people and that people are not safe is a big one that I see so frequently that adds to the list of things that is constantly triggering us into and keeping us into a state of fight or flight. One of those big limiting beliefs. So moving on, Janelle's last 
founding relationship that I'd like to talk about, and as you likely guess, is her mother, Barbara Evans, which if you've watched any of Teen Mom or you've seen any clips on social media, you know Barbara's got a big personality, and people love her. They think she is hilarious. But something I'd like to talk about first, actually about Barbara, is how all of these people online are constantly bashing Janelle for staying in a relationship where there have been multiple allegations surrounding abuse and violence, but also something to remember is Barbara also stayed in a relationship that involved violence for more than double that length of time um, compared to Janelle. And while, of course, there are many factors that play a role here, and we're going to talk about this, one thing I have to say about Barbara is that she has a very strong hope-empowering belief, something that is so beneficial is that fight, that never giving up gene, and something that Janelle definitely has as well. Even after everything she has encountered, we rarely see Barbara freeze or flight. She just keeps on going, whether that means taking care of her grandkids, and at least for what is documented, we don't really see a lot of freeze-related symptoms that Barbara experiences, like those periods of burnout, the ADHD paralysis, the flight-light-related symptoms, like wanting to escape, run away. Like with Barbara, she is all go, 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 that hope, that never give up, and I think that's something that Janelle definitely got from Jan- or from Barbara's influence as well. And from my perspective, you see this positivity trinkle into her daughter, Janelle. Janelle may very understandably have periods of flight or freeze, like those times where we in episodes have watched her isolate herself in her room or experiencing maybe more depressive episodes, but she holds on to that hope. And Barbara may have done a lot of things, but one of the best things I saw her do is be a positive influence and being an example of someone who holds on to hope and does not give up, which is that fuel that drives us out of freeze state and out of flight state. And I really want to start off with the positive here because I think that if you look closely is one of the most influential and most important gifts that you can give a child and one that is going to be that driving force that ultimately helps Janelle overcome a lot. And as we've seen her overcome a lot so much and that fight, that drive where Janelle also never gives up no matter everything she's been through, which if you can't tell by now is a lot, a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of sensory trauma. And one of the things I hear most often in what seems like millions of comments berating Janelle are comments like a lot of us grew up with shitty parents, but at some point it's our responsibility to fix what they broke in us. Or another comment, and these are all verbatim, I had a really, really shitty childhood. Dad ended up in prison for attempted murder of my narcissistic mother. A lot of that kind of stuff. And I did a lot of hard work to become well-adjusted, healthy, and a happy adult. And at a certain point, you just have to move past it for yourself. And if you don't, that is on you. And again, both of these just placing 100% of the blame on Janelle. And I want to be very, very clear because this is something that not only Janelle experiences, but I'm sure a lot of us deal with internally, placing a lot of blame on ourselves. And this approach is the exact opposite of what we need and what those of us with sensitive souls, especially extra sensitive nervous systems, needs. This is the exact opposite of what Janelle needs. It's like we think that bullying ourselves into healing or bullying someone into healing is just the fix they need. And so a few things to remember. The first part is to remember for those of us with extra sensitive nervous systems and consequently extra sensitive senses, that means that we feel everything more deeply, including trauma, which has two implications. The first is that trauma has an even more traumatic impact on our nervous system because we feel things so deeply 
deeply on that sensory level. And the second is that the definition of scope of what trauma is is much more broad than what we've been taught. Neurodivergent trauma is different than neurotypical trauma. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Neurodivergent trauma is different than neurotypical trauma. So I'm not claiming that Janelle is neurodivergent. want to make that clear. She's only shared actually that she's been misdiagnosed with bipolar and that it was really only anxiety. Although my personal belief is that those of us that experience chronic anxiety, that also falls under the extra sensitive nervous system spectrum or the neurodivergent spectrum. So take with that what you'd like. But anyways, with that being said, the golden rule of being a sensory trauma specialist, or maybe for you, you're a sensory supporter, is that we cannot judge what somebody's definition of trauma is and the impact it has on their nervous system. And that is something that I am constantly reminding myself and giving myself empathy for because I know how extremely important this is for healing my nervous system, for rewiring my nervous system and helping heal those limiting beliefs and helping with the burden of shame that I've carried for most of my life. And so the second thing I'd also like to talk about, which you could probably hear me hinting at in the beginning of the episode, is trust. Our definition of trust is often defined by the significant and foundational relationships, those founding relationships we had during our upbringing. And when we experience a lot of turmoil in those founding relationships, it can warp our meaning of trust. It can warp our nervous system's meaning of trust. So remember earlier when I talked about Stockholm Syndrome? and how our nervous system that craves safety, again, with it being its number one job, can easily make excuses for dangerous and unhealthy situations in an attempt to regain its sense of safety. So now, looking at the bigger picture of Janelle's founding relationships, it seems very easy to see that Janelle did not have many relationships that displayed and involved healthy levels of trust. Like, we barely dipped our toes into it. And honestly, from the outside looking in, it appears that her husband, David, may have been the most trust in a relationship. If you look at all of them compared, like, he's been by her side um, in comparison to her ex, her siblings. Like, if you think her ex is like Kiefer, Gary, Andrew, Nathan, all the ex we saw on her show documented in Teen Mom, her dad. David's definitely been there the longest and probably provided like David and her's relationship. They've been together at least five years. That's longer than Janelle's dad was in her lives. And he's probably provided more emotional support than she ever received growing up from whether it be her siblings, her mom, her dad. And you mix that with likely two wounded trust wounds. We don't know too much about David and his upbringing and nervous system story, but from what I've seen, it definitely gives fight state is his major trauma response similar to Janelle. And all of these different puzzle pieces helps to make sense why even after all of David's run-ins with the law and allegations, including assault, child abuse, and all these negative incidences that happen on Teen Mom 2, why they've stayed together through it all. And which brings us finally to fight state. What we've really come here to talk about today, and if you're wondering what the relationship is, for those of us that live in a chronic fight state, with fight state being our main trauma response, that typically comes with having a major trust wound on our nervous system. And we live in fight state because we don't feel safe and our nervous system doesn't feel very secure. You can 
can see we can feel unsafe in a lot of different ways. One of those ways that happens when we feel under attack, like someone or something is out to get us, consequently triggering us into fight state, resulting in those fight responses. And this is the major trauma response I see for Janelle. When we think of fight state, most people's first go-to is anger, yelling, lashing out. Which if you've watched 16 and Pregnant or Teen Mom 2, you've most likely seen many episodes of Janelle yelling. But fight state is way more than that. It's all the times you've seen Janelle being very defensive, immediately going into defense mode. And once we're in that mode, our executive functioning goes down, our ability to problem solve, our ability to see things clearly, our ability to understand the truth. This is things where it can literally warp our story of what happened in a situation whenever in that fight state. All of those prefrontal lobe brain functions, that higher level thinking, our ability to think rationally goes out the window. So fight state, it can also look like selfishness from feeling so under attack and be very easy to develop the idea that the world is against us mentality. And also, if you look closely, you see Janelle, the second she feels blamed for something or under attack goes into that defensive mode, which I know I can relate to, and I'm sure lots of you can also relate to. And it's something that happens so frequently is perceiving blame and attack, even during situations when there is no real threat or blame, but we're more so, we're just so used to feeling under attack attack from the world, from the relationships around us, so used to feeling blames that we just do it automatically at the smallest sensory trigger. Like let's say someone looks at us the wrong way or we hear a certain tone, um, even though that there's no real threat. And you see a lot of different things triggered by Janelle's trust wound and that lack of trust for the world, life, and the people around her. Just think about all the anger she's likely witnessed since she was born. I know for me, it's hard replaying some of my baby videos because I can hear the yelling and stress in the background that I was surrounded with in that in my home, in my supposed safe space. So for Janelle, I think about how the public has attacked her, the media, paparazzis, the courts, the judicial system she's been surrounded by and repetitively having experiences that have made her feel attacked. But there's another thing that is a super common experience by those who live in chronic fight state, and that is normalizing other people's fight state. Because again, that is the majority of what we've witnessed. And on top of that, there's a weird sense of comfort because we can relate to that feeling of attack and when other people are upset. And you can understand in a special way that other people cannot, like we relate to them. And this is one of the reasons that so many families, there's generational anger or generational domestic violence or generational abuse. Another interesting coincidence is you may have heard about Janelle's struggles with fibromyalgia. And if you're not familiar with fibromyalgia, it's a disorder characterized by widespread musculoskeletal pain accompanied by fatigue, sleep, memory, and mood issues. And why I think it's interesting is because remember for those of us with extra sensitive nervous systems, this means that we also are accompanied by having extra sensitive senses, which means for some of us that can mean extra sensitive to pain or when pain feels even more acute because of our extra sensitive senses. And now researchers believe that there is also a link between fibromyalgia and ADHD, which can be attributed to the sensory issues that is commonly experienced by those of us with ADHD. I think it's especially interesting in Janelle's case because she appears to have major fight state trauma responses, which can also mean feeling under attack. And for Janelle, this is not only mentally and emotionally manifesting, but also manifesting 
physically, having those physical symptoms where her body is also perceiving constant threat and attack and pain. Just some food for thought, especially since there's a huge relationship between our nervous system regulation and our physical health. And this is one example of what fight state can look like. Of course, fight state, like most things go, is very broad and is not going to look the same from one person to another, which is why we're going to have many more sensory investigations to come to take that deep dive into what fight state can look like, flight state, freeze, fawn. And so that's what makes everyone's experience so unique. But hopefully this gave you a little insight into fight state and how to start healing. It's tempting living in fight state to build walls around ourselves or walls around our family, our partner, keeping the rest of the world shut out. Brick, by emotional brick, we create these fortresses, convinced they'll keep out the hurt, the danger, the vulnerability we fear. But here's the irony. The cruel trick flight state plays, those very walls lock us in a prison of our own making and and that dysregulation. And so Janelle's story paints a vivid picture of this. We see her lash out, push people away, build those walls higher with every perceived attack. But beneath the anger, the defensiveness, there's a yearning for connection, for trust, for the safety, that true vulnerability that especially us on the outside can bring to her on social media, bring her something to that love, help her build back up that trust wounds. And so instead of hate, just maybe go take some time and just add some love to Janelle's social media and to help with all of the immense amount of hate that she's been receiving. And so again, I got a little sidetracked, but the truth is for fight state thrives on isolation. It feeds on the silence in our relationships, the lack of trust, the absence of that soft inner voice that whispers, you're okay, you're safe. Walls give fight state that power and that power keeps us trapped in the cycle of anger, anxiety, and hypervigilance. But here's the good news. There's another way, a path beyond the walls paved with courage to be vulnerable, to reach out and to build bridges instead of fortresses. It's not easy and dismantling those bricks one by one, it takes time, patience, and a willingness to trust ourselves and others again. But that's where the magic happens. That's where the healing happens, nervous system healing on that physical level, that sensory level. As we trip away at our walls, letting in the light of connection, we discover something remarkable. Vulnerability isn't weakness, it's strength. And it's not just about feeling better, it's about healing on that deeper level. Studies show that healthy relationships, social connection actually strengthen our nervous system improve our immune function, boost cognitive performance, so like our attention, our ADHD symptoms, the benefits just ripple outward touching every aspect of our life. So while fight state might whisper in our ears telling us isolation is our only defense, let's remember this. The greatest safety comes not from walls but from connection and authentic and raw vulnerability getting out of our comfort zones. And so remember vulnerability isn't about weakness, it's about strength. It's about choosing connection over isolation, choosing trust over fear. It's about the courage to break down our walls and step into the light. And believe me, from personal experience, the view from there is incredible. And for Janelle, if you ever listen to this or for anybody else, because this is something to one degree or another that many of us have experienced, I know I will simply speak for myself, and something that I have been working hard towards too is healing my trust muscle, healing my trust wound, and learning what healthy trust 
trust is and looks like in relationships and really redefining what trust means to me. So for those of you who relate to even 1% of Janelle's nervous system story, I want to remind you that you are worthy of safety. True safety doesn't include yelling, threatening, constant anger. Coming from experience, it takes time to really come to term with this, which is why I want to provide you with an extra piece of evidence, and that is to reach all new levels of happiness, attention, confidence, peace, all the beautiful things that come with learning how to regulate our nervous systems, not just superficially, but getting in there and really doing the inner work and rewiring our limiting beliefs. So again, I want to remind you and emphasize true safety is out there and it is so worth it. True safety that you deserve, that we all deserve, where we can trust the people around us and trust the world around us. And by trust, I mean healthy trust, where you can be 100% unapologetic to yourself and still be loved. A lot of times we don't think we are worthy of this because many of us have a lifetime of experiences that have said otherwise, that have taught us otherwise, that have taught us different. But I want you to know that this is false and that healing nervous system lies on the other side when we do this inner work. And the farther you walk into learning how to trust life, trust the world, surround ourselves with healthy, trusting relationships, the more that we can heal our trust wounds and heal from that chronic fight state. And if you are ready to embark on your own healing journey, my Sensory Therapy Memberships provides a supportive space and powerful tools to help you navigate your nervous system, heal for sensory trauma, and find the safety you deserve. What awaits you is a sensory training, sensory trauma healing resources, a six-week nervous system makeover challenge, sensory meditations, expert support, and community. These are just a few of what's included inside the membership. Thank you for joining me on the sensory investigation, and until next time, take care of yourselves and remember you're worthy of all these safety, love, and trust in the world. Bye. I'll see you soon. And please remember all information presented in this podcast is based on publicly available sources and interpretations. It is not meant to be a definitive account of any individual's life or personal experiences. So always approach such information with a compassionate lens.